Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you our listeners. Hi guys, I'm your host Saif and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. Now before we get on with today's episode, a quick shout out for Hubhopper. Hubhopper is India's very own podcast app with the largest directory of podcasts that brings you thousands of unique shows and stories from every imaginable genre. You can now listen to your favorite travel podcast, The Musafir Stories on Hubhopper. That is H U B H O P P E R. So go on and download the Hubhopper app from the App Store or the Play Store now. And if you like it, make sure to leave a review and share it with your friends and family. Another special announcement for the listeners this time. As a part of the International Podcast Day celebrations, you, the listener, will have a chance to get featured on the Musafir Stories podcast and share your travel story in just three simple steps. Get on to our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Find the post related to the International Podcast Day and just leave a comment with these details. One, an Indian destination that you have traveled to and would like to share on the podcast. Two, why should one travel to this place? And three, share any blog links or social media posts of your journey to this destination. You can also email us with these details using our website if that's easier to you. The most interesting pitch will be chosen and announced during a special episode to be aired on International Podcast Day. So you have time till the 29th of September to turn your entries in. Good luck. As for today's episode, we talk to Preetika and Narayanan, a travel couple who blog under the handle passingports.com. So sit back and enjoy as we find out where Preetika and Narayanan take us to today. So with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Preetika and Narayanan from the blog passingports.com. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the Musafir stories and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much Sai for having us over. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. It's our pleasure to have you have, uh, especially pro travelers like you come speak with us, come share your travel stories with us. It's always an honor. Now, what we usually do with the Musafir stories, guys, is whenever we have a guest or guests, like in your case, uh, come speak with us, we request them to take us and our listeners to a place, to a destination and share all the experiences that uh, you guys have had at that destination. With that in mind, where are you guys taking us to today? We're taking you to center of Tamil Nadu, uh, which is Tanjavur, uh-huh. which is also the seat of the great uh, Chola dynasty. Sure. As you said, it is um, one of the prominent parts of uh, Tamil Nadu in terms of uh, the historical significance it has as well, right? It has been the capital of the Chola dynasty, which is one of the longest ruling dynasties of uh, Tamil Nadu as well. So in that way too, uh, this place holds like a lot of significance. So uh, hey. if, if you could just give us a little bit of a highlight about the history associated with the place, it would be great. Let me throw a fact at you before I start off. Okay. Uh, the Cholas uh, ruled this area for about 900 years. Yeah. A lo- uh, all of us know of the Mughals, uh-huh. but not a lot of us know of the Cholas. We were also as ignorant till we uh, went on a trip to Cambodia. Mm. Spent about uh, two, three nights there and went around uh, Siam Rep and the Angkor Wat. And being travelers, we just didn't stop with the 
ki Angkor Wat temples, but also went further down and looked at a lot of other temples like Priyavihar, Kokair, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, what we found very interesting or unique, or uh, funnily very strange as well, is that um, that Angkor Wat actually looked like the temples that we used to in South India. Sure. And when we started digging in a little. then we realized that there was a lot of chola influence in that belt mm-hmm. now uh, an interesting tidbit uh, that i can give you is that uh, the cholas had one of the biggest naval fleets for about 600 years and at the height of their dynasty they had a fleet of about 1000 ships imagine that 1000 ships <laughs> wow right mm-hmm. so the cholas were they were huge in art architecture culture and if you come down to tamil nadu you'll find a lot of uh, shiva temples so you would have heard of uh, temples such as the brihadeeshwara temple in tanjavur the ganga konda cholapuram the temple at darasuram uh, all of these are temples that uh, or architecture that uh, are created by the cholas and you will find the same architecture not just here in south india you will find a bit of it uh, in orissa and andhra you will find a lot of it in uh, sri lanka indonesia I even think. as far as thailand and vietnam yeah. and cambodia yeah absolutely like you said at the peak of uh, the empire right it's uh, spread more than just south india it had spread itself uh, yeah. into southeast asia as well as you mentioned um, and and uh, upwards towards odisha as well right uh, if yes. i'm not wrong so yes. yeah that was uh, i think one of the long drawn rules uh, that we saw for dynasty so let's jump into the itinerary then what time of the year if you can just specify uh, when you made the trip We went in the month of November, actually. Mm. So the weather was perfect, right? Yeah. It's not too hot. It's uh, definitely not too cold down south. <laughs> I mean, in Tamil Nadu. So um, it was just perfect, and um, yeah, that was the time that we went on a weekend. Okay, wonderful. And in terms of the length of the itinerary, uh, so it was uh, over a weekend or a little more than that. See, we actually planned for a weekend, right? We went on a Friday night, and we returned. Uh, back on a Monday morning, early Monday morning, but like Narayanan just mentioned, you know, when we went there, we realized that you know, two days again, it's just not enough. Uh, but just that we are lucky and we're staying in Chennai, so we were able to take another weekend trip to figure out the other Chora temples. It's uh, pretty much close by to Tanjavur. So if you really want to explore Tanjavur and the places nearby, you'll easily need about three and a half to four. Uh, this okay just to ensure that you've covered or checked the entire belt okay wonderful and in terms of your uh, uh, living arrangement your accommodation while you were there uh, would you quickly want to touch upon that as well sure uh, we stayed at this beautiful property uh, heritage property called swatma mm. who were kind enough to host us for the duration of our trip okay and uh, it was a 100 plus year old property that they had renovated by far one of the best heritage properties we've stayed in so in yeah. case someone is looking at a place to stay we totally recommend swatma you can you can just pick swatma as your center point and the temple the, which is the brahadeshwar temple is about 10 minutes in the auto or you take a car you take a two wheeler everything is about 10 minutes so that way i think it is pretty convenient too um as if you choose yeah. to stay here is ideal in terms of uh, figuring tanjavur and the places around it's also a couple of kilometers away from uh, the railway, railway station. station yeah <laughs> absolutely 
Wonderful. I think uh, now that we have uh, done most of the groundwork in terms of um, prepping and time to go there, etc., let us jump into the itinerary and um, take us take us through the first uh, the first place. Uh, let's start off. Where do you guys uh, head off to once you had uh, settled down in Swatma, relaxed, refreshed, and <laughs> ready to head on to the first destination? So um, we rented a car, obviously, uh, just so that we could just quickly cover off the main places there as sure. we had on two days, right? So we first went to the Tanjavur Palace. Okay. Uh, so this again is about uh, a kilometer maybe from the Brihadishwara Temple. Mm. That's how close it is. As you enter, you'll figure out that it's supposed to be a palace, but it doesn't look any... Um, Anyway, grand. It doesn't look fancy. It is not it, like the palaces in Rajasthan, for example. <laughs> yeah, <if you laughs> draw Madison, right? Uh-huh. So it's very plain, normal looking, and um, not really crowded. So what we've understood when again we digged more about the place is that once upon a time this used to be called as Shivaganga Fort. Okay. So fort over a period of time has changed into a palace. Hmm. So, um, when we went inside, the first thing that we um, sort of noticed was the bell tower. Mm. And then you had an arsenal tower. And then there is a museum and an art gallery. Uh, no, you're saying uh, this is all a part of the uh, complex of the of the palace of the fort that you were just referred exactly. to? Okay. Exactly. So, today it is called as a Tanjavur Palace or the Tanjavur Maratha Palace. Mm. But then it's not built by the Marat- uh, Marathas. It was built by the Tanjavur Nayaks. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty old. I mean, um, it's it's gone through way too many. Um, uh, it's changed many hands, and today it is called as the Tanjavur Maratha Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, even today, the, the royal family still stays there. If we if we actually think about it, it's the Bonesley family um, who resides in one part of the palace within okay. the complex. Okay. So so what I get by this is like what you're saying is that uh, this is a l- little bit after the Cholas, right? Uh, perhaps the 16th century. Or so, if it's the Tanjavur Nayaks, exactly. Yes. Okay, uh, wonderful. And uh, give us uh, describe to us the uh, the different monuments within the palace, right? The bell tower, the uh, yeah. the art gallery, etc. So, uh, give us a little uh, description. Take us uh, down to these places and tell us uh, what you saw there. So, as you enter, like I said, the first thing that you see is the bell tower. You know, those uh, you just can't go up. Um, because it's closed for uh, public but then apparently those days it was the indicator of time which means every one hour they used to sort of uh, ring the bell if I have to put it Um, so that in Tamil it's called Manikunda so the exact translation the bell tower Mm. so that was the first monument or that is the first monument you would see as you enter the palace followed by the um, art gallery okay which is again really interesting and we're like okay somebody has not mentioned the place right but then as you walk in uh-huh. you get to see so many bronze um, structures or the figurines which goes back to I mean decades yeah, yeah right from uh, say 900 or 1080 yeah sure and we were surprised by the kind of artwork or uh, the kind of painstaking work that is done back in the day and that's without any mechanical equipment yeah and it's been uh, pretty much uh, decently maintained I'm not going to say that it is really well maintained okay. Uh, okay. but it's decently maintained so you also get to see the old age coins that were used mm. yeah bronze figurines and old age coins is what you get to see in the museum or in the art gallery if I have to put it okay. and then you move, you proceed further which is where the arsenal tower is 
again it's a very uh, triangular or a pyramidal sort of a structure that you see mm-hmm. uh, you can go up to the first uh, level of the building and that that used to be the place where the kings were trained in martial arts okay interesting very interesting yes and within the again within the arsenal tower you can see a lot of you, we could see very little painting because like i said it's not really well maintained which is the really sad part mm-hmm. but whatever is left is still beautiful and it was um, kind of uh, it did take you back in times also one very interesting thing which is completely out of place in this entire um, complex was the whale skeleton you see a huge whale skeleton <laughs> that's displayed there and no one knows why okay <laughs> we just laughed at it sort of took a photo i'm like yeah wrong place wrong time probably <laughs> so maybe it just got washed away in one of the uh, ports and i guess it's just there ever ever since okay okay and uh, if i could if i could just uh, jump back uh, narayana and kritika quickly to yeah. Yeah. the arsenal tower and uh, you mentioned about the paintings as well right so when you say paintings are these like uh, like painting paintings or are these like wall murals what kind of paintings are these So these are essentially a lot of wall murals that we saw. Yeah. Okay. Uh, using vegetable dyes. This is painted. You you can see those paintings everywhere you go inside. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, is there any so, so I read a lot about the uh, Tanjore of the Tanjavur painting as well, right? Uh, is that uh, the same thing or is this completely different that we are oh. talking about? Tanjavur paintings are very different. So okay. Tanjavur paintings are essentially uh paintings based on lord krishna usually mm. okay. uh lord krishna and his wives or consorts uh you will also find tanjore paintings of uh, ganesha mm-hmm. and the base of tanjore painting is uh, why it's so special or unique is that they use uh, real gold foils mm. interesting and uh, vegetable dyes mm-hmm. so the color just doesn't fade away and yeah. uh, it is exquisite work Okay. But what you kind of tend to see within the Tanjore Palace is just normal wall murals. Okay. I think okay. uh, it's okay. it's not the same as a Tanjore painting that mm-hmm. we do today. Okay, cool. Um, and then any more monuments to see within the complex? So there was also a library um, and the books that were used by the kings those days mm-hmm. uh, during their schooling. Mm-hmm. There's apparently a complete place called the Saraswati Mahal, which was actually uh, again it's a restricted entry and okay. it's not open to public. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't go there. But then there was a small display um, of those days' books, and it was really interesting. I mean, those books are still you know readable and yeah, these are essentially manuscripts, manuscripts uh, which are. Eons old. All <laughs> that uh, is very well maintained, so well maintained that they don't let the commoners go in. To a certain extent, you are allowed to go in, but by pro- uh, producing ID cards and Xerox copies of your driving license and so on and so forth. But beyond a point, no one is allowed inside. Be one of the best yeah. uh, libraries of. that period also supposed to be one of the oldest in the history sure. of india sure uh, because uh, even from my reading what i saw was that it has uh, manuscripts uh, which date back to the 18th century right so 17th 18th century so it's pretty old in that way and i also read that it has um, i don't know if they are on display but uh, even some of the leaf manuscripts or so the palm manuscripts yeah, right yeah uh, so some of those as well and i think in one way i know it's sad that uh, it's not open to the uh, public but uh, i think in one way that's 
I'm sure it's good in a way. Yeah, <laughs> right. They can preserve it to a longer duration. So uh, wonderful. I think uh, what I also see is good mixture of different things, right? Right from the Bell Tower to the Art Gallery to the Arsenal Tower, uh, then the library, the Saraswati Mahal Library, etc. So yeah, it's, and there's also this uh, very colorful and again something that we didn't expect to see. See, okay, so basically we are travelers who don't really Google that much before uh-huh. going to. It's just to have the surprise element, you know, sure. sort of there as we walk along or explore. So there was this very colorful uh, hall called the Mara. So obviously, as the name suggests, it's a place where the meetings were held and the king sitting right in the center of the discussion. The colors, the painting again, yeah. just makes you, uh, it, it visually sort of treats you. Yeah, and it takes you back in time. And again, the colors of the darbar, which are bright red, blue, yellow, yellow. and greens, these are all vegetable dyes. Uh-huh. These are not our regular paintings. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, also, I think these are, um, in that way, in terms of the uh, bright nature of the colors used, it's also very different from uh, even the rest of Tanjaur uh, architecture, right, uh, if I may? I guess this is with the Marathi influence, it's sort of, sure. um, just Marathi, I think we should also give it to the Vijayanagar Empire or the Nayaks who came into picture mm-hmm. post the Chora dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how long do you spend here, uh, the, the entire complex? I think we took about one one hour, one one and a half hours max. Okay, so there's not like, too much walking around, right, from one monument to the other. No, no, it's not. Okay, okay, that's good in one way, and at the same time, you see so many different things. So yeah. uh, that way, you sample like a lot of different things also in the same uh, in the same compound. So I think that's a great thing and a great start too. So mm-hmm. uh, wonderful! Now that you've spent some time at the Royal Tanjavur Palace or the Tanjavur Palace, as they call it, where do you guys head off to next? So the driver again was our um, itinerary or the tourist guide, I should call him. He was a very sweet guy, and he took us to this. Again, we did not know about this, but then he took us to this place where they made uh, veena, which is a, a Carnatic or a classical instrument, if I have to call them. Sure. Um, so he took us to this uh, place, uh, which is run by Mr. Narayanan, um, not my husband, <laughs> um, who's been traditionally a generation. Uh, yeah, so his, uh, his family has been, it's been making it, yeah. uh, veenas for... Uh, generation after generations mm-hmm. okay. and there are very few families who still continue that uh, art form so to speak mm-hmm. and uh, one curious tidbit for you is that uh, Tanjavur also won the GI tag for where the Veena originally came from so we got to see how it was made back then and they follow the same principle even today very interesting and uh, probably dates back to a few centuries right and uh, I'm glad they're still kind of trying and keeping this up. Absolutely. Lovely, lovely. So, uh, when you say uh, Veena making, uh, did you get a chance to like see the different stages, etc. And uh, give it a hand as well? Uh, give it a try as well? Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I was so excited the minute he took me there. And obviously, I'm like, I am going to play this, but I was horrible at it. <laughs> I can no doubts on that. Uh, but then uh, the guy who runs the place was really, really um, sweet. He did show us the different ways of making a veena, the different wood that goes into uh, creating it and the kind of, um, again, art that they sort of um, sculpt, if I could put it. Yeah, carve on the veena. Yeah, carve on the veena. So... Sure. Uh, it's a long process. I mean, it's no joke. Yeah. And the minute we see an instrument, right, we just take it for granted. Like, 
yeah whatever but then when you really see the entire process that goes behind its making it's beautiful again we just asked him one question how much does this even cost uh-huh. and when he came up with the price and we were like okay now we understand why it is priced at that uh-huh. one veena tradi- i mean it sort of ranges between 15000 and can go to even a lakh depending on what wood what sort of an uh, carving is uh, required and um, apparently it creates a positive vibration when they place it at their homes wow that's yeah if you don't play it if it's still there it sort of creates a positive vibration mm. interesting and uh, i guess like for the uninitiated right all of this uh, would really come as a surprise uh, because if you think of a veena you think okay it's probably not as complicated to make um, but yeah there's so much that goes into this and over that there's uh, like the carvings and everything that they do to make this like uh, look so much more refined and polished right uh, no wonder it takes such a long time yeah so true Yeah, and uh, again, I keep um, kind of repeating myself. But in terms of the different experiences you have, you've had even so far, right? We're just uh, like into the journey. It's uh, very different. Like it hasn't been just one thing. It j- hasn't just been limited to say uh, temple hopping, for example. That's what anybody would uh, associate to like a, a holy city or a temple city like Tanjore, right? So uh, I'm, I'm glad that in terms I guess of we haven't aged. Uh, to do that yet i mean <laughs> <laughs> no no see, but thing um, saif i mean we try to figure out everything that the place is known for be it from the smallest to sure. whatever the tourists do yeah so um, another interesting thing that we came across uh, again as we were exploring the city of tanjore was about uh, the bronze that comes out of that city mm, okay the figurines that's been made from there again it's uh, something that's been um, uh, done gen- uh, over generations and uh, these statues again passed by uh, over families mm. and um, i think narayan wants to take you through the process definitely please <laughs> it's quite difficult for me to explain the process as such but the gentleman uh, where i think his name was shankaran or something he showed us uh, how it's made right from uh heating the metal to ensuring that it becomes in liquid form mm. uh creating the mold okay in such a way that uh it can be made into the same uh deity uh, the shape of the deity mm interesting and, and then how much time it takes from uh it being in a mold to, for them to uh create the the minute shapes like the eyes the nose the and so on and so forth Yeah. intricate carvings Absolutely. and then final polish hmm. i think uh, in different stages we saw all of that in about uh, half an hour 45 minutes uh, but then it was a very exhilarating experience uh, we'd never seen or never expected to see something like that right in front of our eyes <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and i'm uh, again glad that you guys got to sample these different things and um <laughs> must be in a wonderful experience but uh, having said that i'm um, also as excited to be talking about the next few destinations that you guys are going to be cover, uh, covering because uh, these are some of the most iconic temples too that uh, are a part of tanjavur right so uh, take us take us with you and uh, tell us what are the different temples that you went on the uh, like the temple trail that you went on while in tanjavur i mean there it was right uh, the time that we were waiting for to go and visit the brahadeshwar temple uh-huh. um so uh, as we were approaching the temple you know the first thing that we realized was wow are, are we seeing another angkor wat 
trust me that's the, that's the first impression that we had so there are a, uh, there are two uh, gates before you sort of get to see the structure the main structure as such mm-hmm. again uh, your uh, temples in uh, siam rep was also exactly sort of laid out in the same manner you have like two separate uh, modes or if i have to call them uh, two separate walls and then you get into the main structure that's exactly how even the big temple okay. or the brahmeshwar temple was okay. no do you know that back in the day temples are always the place where people used to go to uh, in case of war so they were also built like a fort so they had two different layers that you had to cross interesting yeah so this the entrance of the wall as such was so huge was so beautifully um sculptured and you know as you walk or as you proceed uh, towards the main uh, temple you see a huge huge nandi hmm. so that's the first thing that sort of hits you on your face um as you walk towards the brahmeshwar temple so nandi for people who don't know what it is is essentially the bull and that's the vehicle of lord shiva mm-hmm. so you will find in front of every shiva temple a nandi facing the god so this nandi is huge and, and uh, this was actually uh, not the original nandi that was uh, when the temple was completely done and finished by the choras the temple was built in uh, around uh, the early thousands by the way right right okay yeah it's about 1000 years old as such I, uh, if i have to put it and uh, so this was this nandi that is there today that you see uh, opposite lord shiva uh, was actually gifted by the marathas what? so the original uh, original nandi is placed uh, within the complex but not facing lord shiva but also the interesting fact about the older uh, nandi is apparently it grows in size uh, over a, it, it it is growing in size over a period of time Mm. That's inter- interesting because uh, I've heard this about uh, another Nandi statue. Uh, this was in Andhra Pradesh, though, in the Yaganti Cave Temples. There is a uh-huh. yeah. huge Nandi temple that apparently grows oh. by a few centimeters uh, every every few years or so. So yeah. very interesting, right? Yep. So uh, this is what uh, was the first interesting fact that we came across, and obviously the structure in itself, right, Saif, is so huge, and it's it sort of takes your uh, thoughts away from everything else, and just uh, sort of fix your fixes your eyes just on the temple and the gopuram. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, just to add a few numbers to that, uh, if I'm to believe it is over two hundred feet. tall and about 16 stories uh, as as how how tall and how high it is so one can imagine uh, so again uh, please go check out prithika and it's about 80 tons heavy <laughs> yeah so for uh, those of you interested in numbers uh, here are a few numbers to take note of as well uh, but yeah just go check out the pictures as well we will add them with the show notes section of the episode as well uh, there's some absolutely marvelous pictures that have been taken by uh, prithika narayanan that uh, just leaves um, one in sheer astonishment uh, because if you look if you look at it even in, from a perspective of uh, time right it's it's about 1000 years old and uh, back in the day uh, such a gigantic structure to for somebody to make especially a structure that is so polished so symmetrical and so huge right uh, so for somebody to have that uh, to have executed that Uh, I think it uh, really is an engineering marvel and architectural marvel of sorts too. It is, and here is another interesting uh, fact. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there are over hundred secret passages from the temple <laughs> across the region. Okay. So one obviously goes to the palace to the fort, and there are others that go across the town. 
Very, very interesting. And uh, as beautiful as the structure is, uh, these facts, I think, uh, make it that much more uh, commendable <laughs> as to how, how they've uh, built it and, uh, a thousand years ago. I mean, <laughs> you you can only be wowed, right, by looking at it. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about the deity of the, of the temple, right? Uh, you mentioned that this is a Shiva temple too. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, so, yes, uh, the deity is Lord Shiva and the way you pray to Lord Shiva is, uh, it's not a photo or a sculpture, but it's usually a Shiva Linga sure. or a Shiva Lingam as we call it down south. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of the largest Shiva Lingams that you find. Okay. Definitely not the largest, but one of the bigger ones. Uh, it's about uh, 23 feet in circumference. Okay, interesting. That's bigger than, uh, say, a couple of uh, halls in most houses. <laughs> and also, uh, what they say is the kind of power that you experience as you uh, enter the sanctum sanctorum. Mm. It's an experience in itself. Uh, when we went in, we also felt uh, sort of, a, I mean, I think the whole experience was we were a little taken aback. For something so big to have existed over a period of time, point number one, and sure. so many huge sculptures and the inscriptions which still stay strong, the kind of, uh, that Narayanan mentioned, the top or the Vimana as it is called, which is 80 tons. I mean, there's so much to take in just one visit, right? <laughs> so many thoughts that are running in your head and as you anyway see the Shivlinga structure, you're like, hey, you know what, this is an awesome place. I mean... Um, it, it it wasn't really um, uh, like what, what, when you go to a temple, you pray and you come back. Actually, the first time when we went, it was really not that. Mm. We had too many things in discussion and it was more like we are going through the place and sort of observing the entire thing instead of praying or doing the regular temple stuff. <laughs> no, go to a temple and you find the deity, size of the deity is smaller than you. <laughs> now here, uh, the deity, who's, uh, the, the size is way bigger. Yeah. Then that's when you really uh, uh, imagine yourself to be much smaller, which is what you're supposed to be feeling anyway in a temple, <laughs> that the God is bigger than you. Uh, but this gives you that true feeling. Yeah, in a literal sense, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, pretty interesting. I mean, this is an experience that everybody has to go through. I mean, it's, it's, it's it will be different for um, uh, all of us, uh, but something that each of us have to experience is what I would sort of put it in crux. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why this is one of the most iconic temples of um, Tanjavur, right? It's pretty much uh, synonymous when one does um, talk about Tanjavur, the big temple, yeah. the Brihadishwara temple. Um, yes. And now, now that we have covered the big temple, right, uh, where, where did you guys head on to after this? So, uh, obviously, the the awe that we were in after visiting the big temple, we wanted to sort of finish the other two famous Chola temples as well. Mm. And like I said, it's um, around Tanjavur. Okay. So, the first one was the Gange Konda Cholapuram Temple, mm-hmm. which is about 110 kilometers from Tanjavur. Okay. And the second one is the Airavatishwara Temple, which is in Darasuram. Okay. So, it's th- about 36 kilometers from Tanjavur. Yeah. Okay. So, Sounds good. So, which one did you guys, uh, which one did you guys head off to first? Um, so, um, after the Brahadishwar Temple, we first uh, planned to visit the Darasuram because this is very closer to Kumbakonam. Okay. It's about three kilometers from Kumbakonam. So um, we went to Darasuram, which was uh, one of the most artistically done temple. Hmm. Very, very intricate artwork. And the kind of work that you will see uh, in, say, uh, a sculpture, which is about a few inches tall, 
say about two inches and the kind of artwork that's done in that so you can see anklets in that you would be able to see a dress in that two inches sure. now that kind of artwork and imagine uh, darasuram was built about 100 years before the brahadeshwara temple oh wow okay and also so, uh, shiva temple i'm assuming yes uh, it is a ayaramteshwar temple which is a form of shiva okay So many interesting stories that go. Um, I mean, that sort of comes out of this place as well. Um, you can see even uh, a chariot. Like there is this temple in Hampi as well, sure. right? Uh-huh. So it has a chariot. So you can see a chariot in Airavatishwar Temple as well. Okay. And a lot of stories that's been um, sort of sculpted in and around the entire uh, structure. Uh-huh. And this has been again attacked uh, by various uh, kingdoms, and yet today it still stands strong, looks beautiful, and it's something that people shouldn't miss. A good tip that we can give you, as far as this temple is concerned, is that take a guide. Okay. Okay. Uh, take a guide and go around, especially if you like history, if you like sculptures. Uh, it's very easy to get lost in the beauty of this temple. Uh, we spent about. Three hours there, and uh, the gentleman who was taking us around, he told us that there are a lot of people, especially foreigners, who spend about seven, eight hours right from morning to evening, yeah. going around each and every single bit uh, piece of place. Absolutely, and and uh, as you as uh, Prithika rightly mentioned, right? Uh, I think the chariot is one of the real iconic uh, structures within the temple as well. And yeah. uh, if I'm if I'm uh, not wrong, I think it was this temple, right, that was actually a part of a much larger temple complex and uh, is the only uh, the only complex that is remaining, right, after after the attacks and the incursions and um, may, maybe just as a part of uh, passage of time as well. That the rest of the uh, complexes were for. But uh, seven complexes that. Uh... So these temples are the uh, the. It's actually called the Great Living Chola Temples, uh, which comprises of the Brahmadishwara Temple, the Airavatishwara Temple, and the Gangai Konda Chola Puram Temple, and uh, all these are maintained by the Archaeological Survey of India. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, guide from the ASI actually told us that there were more than thousand temples just in and around uh, Tanjore, Kumbakonam, this entire belt. Oh wow. Yeah, and obviously over a period of time, over a period of kingdoms coming in and wars, etc., a lot of these places have been destroyed. So it's 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 pretty interesting uh, to note all of this and such experiences or such stories that you sort of uh, tend to hear is only when you explore beyond and just going as a tourist. You know, you need to take a guide, which we did not do in the Brahmadeshwara Temple. Apparently, you can also take a guide okay. in the Brahmadeshwara Temple as well. Okay, so it is recommended that one take uh, takes a guide, so that way uh, yeah. you get a um, deeper understanding of the history um, and uh, more about the architecture as well from the guides. Uh, from yeah. especially if the guides are um, say. ASI certified or uh, whatever they are right the official okay. ones and and uh, just a little other little factor is that this temple was built by Raja Raja Chola the second right um, yes. so he was the one who built this and uh, both the temples right both Brahmadeshwara this one and uh, the other uh, living Chola temple all of them are uh, UNESCO uh, UNESCO yes. world heritage sites as well so yes. for a good reason too i mean the kind of historical significance they have and uh, the kind of uh, art are architecture um and history that is associated to these um i think they're well worthy of uh, being unesco world heritage sites is and um i think it's really heartwarming to hear that uh, they 
they're being well maintained too. Given what they've gone through, I think it's really, really important that like maintenance is given utmost importance so we can save whatever is left off, right? True. And uh, the Gangaikonda Cholapuram temple is another beauty or a marvel if I have to put it in short. Okay. So that's the next one that we're going to be talking yes. about, right? Yes. So there, again, there is a huge Nandi as you um, sort of walk in towards the main complex. Um, and uh, once you enter into the main complex, again, the vibrations or like you said, the vibe that uh, an individual goes through mm-hmm. is something that you have to experience. Definitely. Uh, and tell us a little bit more about the significance of the name of the temple too, uh, Pratika, because it has a story too, I'm sure. Yes, so there is a small well that you find in one corner of the temple. Um, Apparently, uh, Rajaraja's children uh, went out for a war. If I have to tell it like uh, like I'm telling to a kid, he went out (laughs) all the way to the north of India, fought the battle, won the battle and came back with uh, roaring success. And uh, to celebrate that, uh, he sort of uh, took the... His son, Rajendra Chola, went yeah. uh, and got uh, the, the Ganges down south. Yeah. 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 Uh, by which, obviously, he didn't dig a pathway. He probably bought it in a vessel or whatever you want to yeah, call it. bottle. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that water was poured into this well. Right. As a symbolic... Which is, which is why uh, it's called the Gange Konda Chorapuram. So in English, uh, the Gange Konda actually translates as uh, bringing the Ganges, right? So that that's what he won the war, brought the Ganges from the north, and he put it in this well, and thereby this water is also um, considered considered pure, to, yeah. uh, considered really pure or um, holy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, guess what? Before coming up with this real huge structure again, there was uh, a prototype okay. built in, in a in a in a place nearby. Uh Again, not many people go there and guess what? We also did not know. We knew about this only after we came back. There is a small village and there there is a prototype of this uh, or a replica of the same structure that is there. Mm. So that was how they first planned uh, the entire structure and then they built the real one. But yeah, and, uh, another interesting story about how how far the reach of the Chola Empire was, right? Uh, during the peak of their time, they did go up till Odisha and Bengal. And um, I think that's where the story of um, Rajendra Chola bringing back the Ganges yeah. and in a symbolic way, making the Gangai Kunda Chola for a temple as well to kind of celebrate that victory. So yeah, great stories, some great history. And uh, just for a good reason that these temples are, um, are all you know, UNESCO heritage sites too so uh, i think it's been like a wonderful temple trail of sorts too for you guys right uh, the last leg especially of these uh, living chola temples that you went on absolutely this is uh, like going down the memory lane and sort of understanding how our ancestors used to live a life and it's it's just too pretty yeah so whether you're a God-fearing person or an atheist, it doesn't matter. You can still go there, take a look at the art, the architecture, the sculptures, and still be inspired by what you can see as to what happened thousand years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I completely appreciate the fact about the religious significance of these places, but uh, I think um, as important as that is, um, uh, even if, you, as you said, uh, one is an atheist, uh, there is so much history. It's literally soaked in history, this place. So uh-huh. one definitely has to go make a stop and uh, look at these beautiful temples, even if it's just for a weekend, go check out these 
temples and um, be inspired by the events that um, happened around uh, the, the time when these temples were built. So, uh, so now that we've covered most of these um, living temples as well, is there more to that, Mary, guys, or uh, where do you guys head off to after this? Uh, there is one interesting fact that I'd like to talk about. Sure. Do you know how the sambar came into existence? The sambar as in the curry? One of the most uh, famous uh, po- or the popular dishes that sure. get served along with the dosas. Or rice for that matter, yeah. not the animal sambar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just want to be clear. <laughs> right. Yeah, tell so me, tell me. Why guess? Uh, no, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently... Uh, King Shivaji's son, his name was Sambaji Rao. Okay. Apparently, he was hungry at a point in time and they were down south in Tanjavur. And uh, he was just hungry, so he wanted to make dal. And he started making dal and started putting various ingredients that he found around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he wasn't a great cook. And uh, what came out, surprisingly, was very tasty, very yummy. Mm-hmm. And the dish got his name. So, Sambaji Rao made Sambar. So, Sambar isn't essentially a Tamil dish. It is actually made by the Marathas. Wonderful. I think that's a wonderful bit of trivia right there, right? And uh, who would have thought in their wildest dreams that uh, <laughs> South India's favorite, most favorite dish uh, has its origins from um, a Maratha king? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I learned something today. Thank you for uh, also educating us on this podcast, guys. Yes. So it's been a wonderful journey so far. Is there more to the trip or um, are we almost done with the itinerary? I think this is a good uh, packed trip already in itself and uh, you'll have a lot of memories to take back. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, especially given the amount of history that uh, literally exactly. this, place, uh, this place is soaked in. There's um, so much more to take back, so many more memories and so many more stories to take back home. Uh, we'd like yes. to thank you very, very much for uh, taking us on this very unique itinerary of sorts. And um, I have to be very honest here. It's also one of the more underrated places also, right? Um, when you compare this in uh, mainstream media, for example, it's not spoken about a lot yes. mean, as much it has to be spoken it isn't I think given that much recognition so it's I think a great way to go explore this hidden gem in the southern part of India and find out so much more about the Chola dynasty as well that ruled Tamil Nadu and uh, lots of other parts of India too uh, while we were here so thank you guys uh, it was an honor to have you come here and come speak with us about this wonderful place uh, please please tell us and our listeners how uh, one can keep in touch with your work and follow your uh, future journeys and uh, future travels we're available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, and the handle is at Passing Ports and for more detailed um, like you call it the itineraries or what you can do in a trip please do log on to PassingPorts.com Absolutely. Please go check out some beautiful pictures, especially of the Bradishwara temple. And uh, the one that stood out for me, honestly, uh, Pritika, is uh, yeah. the one in the Maratha Darbar where, oh. with the colorful background and your uh, colorful attire as well. So some great <laughs> pictures there. Uh, so thank you so much, guys. And uh, we look forward to talking more with you, keeping in touch with your work as well. Thank you. Thank you so thank much, Sai. This is very interesting. And you've got back all our memories of the Tanjau trip that we took a few months back. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Thank you, guys. That was yet another great episode of The Vasafir Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Savan, Pocket Casts, 
Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Musafir Stories. Or, if it suits you, you could email us at themusafirstories at gmail.com or visit our website at www.themusafirstories.com for more information. All of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode. So here's to more traveling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye. My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. (laughs) That's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe.